Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. If you've got a Bible, we're going to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. This year, our theme is Jesus the Transformer. And we've been looking at stories of Jesus encountering and transforming people's lives. This is a story that occurred while Jesus was on the cross. Uh, it's one you can kind of read through very quickly. I think it's got some meaningful and moving insights for us today. John 19, verses 25 to 27. Standing... Near the cross was Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. As Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't completely alone. There's a small group gathered around the cross. Amazingly, four of them were women. Who were these people? Who were these individuals that had such great courage when everyone else had left to be there at the cross? The first one was Jesus' mother, Mary. You know, I'm sure Mary didn't always understand her son. I'm sure she didn't always get what he was on about, what he was saying and what he was doing, but she always loved him. And her presence at the cross was the most natural thing for a mother. Jesus might be a criminal in the eyes of the Roman government, but to Mary, he was her son. And the undying love of a mother is on display right here at the foot of a cross. There's Mary's sister. We, we don't know her name. Uh, other Gospels indicate this may be Salome, the mother of Zebedee's children, and therefore James and John. And so she's there also. And then we have Mary, the wife of Clopas, who we don't know anything else about. And then Mary Magdalene, who Jesus had healed and cast seven demons out of. of and she could never forget the transformation Jesus had made in her life. And she was there because of her love for Jesus. And then there was John. And so here's this small group gathered around the cross. And Jesus is about to die. You can imagine the agony he has experienced for the whipping. And now with those nails in his hands, not only the physical agony, but also he's carrying the weight of the world's sin upon himself. And while he's in this moment, he sees his mother and he thinks of her well-being in the days ahead. Who could he entrust Mary to? His brothers didn't yet believe in him. It's most likely Joseph has died at this point. And so here's his mother, a widow, all alone. And he was her eldest son. And in the midst of his agony, he's thinking, is my mother going to be okay? Who's going to look after her? And there was John, the youngest disciple, who happened to most likely be his cousin. And so he therefore commits the care of his mother Mary into John. You know, extended families were important then as they are now. And he says these moving words, dear woman. It's a, a formal but a polite and a warm greeting. D dear woman, here is, and then he says to John, here is your mother. It wasn't uncommon on a cross for a crucified person to make some final statements or to uh, dispossess their, their, their possessions, to give away their possessions. Jesus on this cross, he, he's leaving nothing. 
He doesn't have a house. He doesn't own anything, even the clothes they stole from his back. But he does have a mother. And here in his agony, in his moment, he thinks of his mother. And, you know, many sermons have been given about the last words of Jesus on the cross. You know, words like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or it is finished. Or into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus said some amazing things from the cross. But I think one of the most moving things Jesus said from the cross was in that moment when he looked at his mother and he looked at John and he said, please look after my mother. It's an amazing example. Jesus, the son of God and his love for his mother. One of the last things he said was to ensure that the woman who birthed him, the woman who taught him, who raised him, who loved him would be looked after. I think it's a very, very moving moment. It shows us the heart of Jesus to not only people, but to his mother. Uh, you know, Mary is an interesting character in the Gospels. And uh, I think throughout history, churches have either elevated her and kind of made her uh, almost the, the main thing, or churches have kind of almost ignored Mary. Uh, we know the Catholic Church obviously makes a big deal about Mary. Uh, and yet it's interesting to see how God's at work in the Catholic Church. In fact, uh, the Catholic Church has fully embraced the Alpha Course, and, uh, which is all about Jesus. In fact, when Nikki Gumbel was in Melbourne a few years ago, I went with Nikki to meet with the Catholic Archbishop, and there was a, a Catholic priest there from a parish in Melbourne. They'd had a, hundred, a thousand people do Alpha right here in Melbourne. And I actually heard a funny story about the Alpha Conference in London a few years ago. A lot of Catholics were coming along, and there was a nun that was there for the very first time. And apparently she was talking to someone who invited her and said, look, I'm really enjoying this, but no one's talking about Mary. And this nun who invited her looked back and with a loving face said, you know, if Mary was here, she would say, talk about Jesus. Don't you love that? I love that. And so, you know, we, we want to worship Jesus. We don't worship or pray to Mary. But Mary was an amazing disciple. And she was an exemplary mother. You know, if you study the story, Mary as a teenager, as a teenage girl, was favored of God. She was from this remote Hicktown village called Nazareth, and yet God found something in Mary's heart. And the angel rocked up and said, you are favored of the Lord. God delights in you. And so Mary was this young girl who had a heart after God. She was also responsive to God's expectations for her. Uh, she had a few questions about how this was all going to happen, but in the end she goes, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to your word. What an amazing response when you've got Moses who says, pick someone else. Gideon says, no, no, no. I mean, think of all the men in the Bible that said, not me. And Mary goes, God, whatever you want, I'm available. In contrast to Zachariah, this is quite funny in Luke, because Zachariah uh, marries a teenager, a woman, and a poor girl. Here's Zachariah, who's an old man, a Levite, and a man. And guess what? He's full of unbelief. In fact, God zipped his mouth for nine months. He couldn't talk. Because he didn't believe, and Mary's mouth is open to proclaim the glory of God. So Mary was favored of God. Mary had a responsive heart to God's plans for her life. Mary endured great adversity. She had a prophecy that you probably wouldn't want. Some of it was really good, but part of it said, Mary, a sword's going to pierce your soul. Mary not only 
had the rejection of people and the gossip and the rumors and had a baby in a foreign town with no relatives around. You know, all through her life, she was trying to figure out who this boy really was. And, you know, didn't always get it, even at 12. You know, they went to Jerusalem faithfully year by year and they, they left to go home. Three days went by and they realized they'd lost Jesus. How would you feel? I mean, you ever lost one of your kids? Imagine losing Jesus. It's like, whoops, sorry. We've lost our kids. In fact, when our kids were little, Nicole and I both drive to church separate cars. Sometimes we'd head home thinking that the other person's got our kids. And I can tell you numbers of times where we both got home and we're having supper. And, you know, there's a venue manager. Hey, uh, Natasha's down here waiting. She's the last one here. I thought you were picking her up. You know, and then, you know, they rebuke Jesus. Why have you done this to us? And Jesus, this 12-year-old, says to his mother, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Oh, you know, just figuring it all out, even right up to the cross. She, she didn't always get what was going on. She went through great adversity and hardship. Uh, but you know what? Mary reflected deeply on all of these events in her life. She thought about them. She treasured them in her heart. And, you know, not only she at the foot of the cross when Jesus dies, she saw Jesus rise from the dead. And guess what? She's in the upper room praying on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Spirit. Mary is a great example of a faithful disciple and also of an exemplary, not a perfect, but an exemplary mother. No wonder she's called blessed among women. And so what a great example for mothers and for us today. So... That brings us to Mother's Day, this century-old tradition of taking some time to honor our mums. I remember when our kids were little, they used to often say, Mother's Day, when's Kids' Day? I'd say every day is Kids' Day. But, you know, once a year, we take some time to honor our mothers. And uh, that's what we're wanting to do today. They're faithful, they're loyal, they're hardworking. Come on, where do mums go when they want to resign? You know, you just can't resign. Uh, they're loving, they're caring, and so we honor and applaud all of our mums today. Um, you know, I, I do realize Mother's Day has a variety of emotions. If you had a great mum, then it's a day of great joy. If your mother's with you, it's going to be a great day tomorrow. Uh, some in this room maybe had a difficult mum or, or a mum that wasn't there. You never really knew your mum, and so there's some sadness and pain. Or maybe you're here today and you always wanted to be a mum, but... As of yet, that hasn't happened. Or maybe your mum's passed away. You know, there's a variety of emotions we have around this Mother's Day. And so our, our thoughts and prayers go out to all of you here today. Why don't we talk just a bit about our mothers? We've looked at Jesus. We've looked at his mother. What about our mothers? You know, uh, my mother uh, was an amazing woman. She uh, passed away very suddenly in 1990. But she put so much into my life. In fact, uh, I believe today anything God does through my life is partly her reward for the seeds that she sowed into my world. And I, I had a wonderful mother that uh, I, I love very, very, very much. And I now have a stepmom, Reen, who's been married to my dad for over 20 years. That's a miracle. And uh, <laughs> she's uh, he's a good man. Um, She's an amazing mother, so I've got a stepmother. And then I also had a, a mother-in-law who uh, unfortunately also passed away in 2007, Renata Meyer, Nicole's mum, also called Oma. And, uh, you know, 
I, I, I loved Oma. She, I could never tell mother-in-law jokes because she was the best mother-in-law. Just amazing. She kind of loved me more than Nicole, which was really cool. <laughs> in fact, often she'd walk into the kitchen and Nicole and I'd be having a bit of a debate. She wouldn't even know what we're talking about and she would go, Nicole, you be nice to Mark. <laughs> it's cool, huh? I really miss her. So, I, I've been very thankful for some, some amazing mums in my own life. My own mum, my stepmum, and my mother-in-law. And uh, What about your mum? Maybe you've got some similar feelings or some similar funny stories. Uh, mothers are very influential people. And uh, there's an interesting book that I just read recently uh, by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. They're the best-selling authors of a heap of books like Boundaries. And they've written a book called Our Mothers and Ourselves, How Understanding Your Mother's Influence Can Set You on a Path to a Better Life. It's a very interesting book about the influence of a mother. And uh, I'd highly recommend it to you. It talks about types of mothers, has a little section on styles of mothering, uh, uh, you know, not all mums uh, do us the best at times. He talks about the phantom mum, the mum you never see, the mum who's kind of never there and kids don't get that connection that they really need. He talks about the China doll mum who's very brittle and easily damaged and unable to deal with her child's problems because she has so many of her own. Uh, he talks about the controlling mum who uh, basically hinder the development of the identity of their child because they're controlling them all the time. He talks about the trophy mum. Who, uh, no elbows if your mother's sitting by you today. Uh, the trophy mum who needs their child to always present in a great light. Uh, the family's always got to look perfect. And children raised by trophy mums tend to live a performance-driven life, uh, always seeking attention, always looking for approval. He talks about the still-the-boss mum. When the mother places herself as the boss managing a child's life, they become a permanent child who never really grows up. He talks about the American Express mum. You know the American Express motto, never leave home without it. Good thing for a credit card, not so great for a mother. Uh, as adult children, we need to leave our mothers. <laughs> they give us life, but we've got to take it and become our own person. And to leave home is not just a physical step, but a psychological step to become separate and free individuals. But the American Express mum kind of stops that from happening. And so he talks about some of these different mothering styles. And the challenge is for us to think about our mother and our mother's influence on our life. Just because it's in the past doesn't mean it doesn't affect us today. It's very, very insightful for, for all families. I'd recommend the book to you. But well, what, what do we do uh, as we come to Mother's Day? We've all uh, got a mother. Uh, maybe they were wonderful. Maybe they were difficult. Maybe they were somewhere in between. But how, how do we respond to our mother? Others, uh, first of all, with love and respect. Uh, the Bible teaches us that we should honor our father and our mother. The word honor means to give value or worth to. And it doesn't matter what, it's not conditional, it doesn't matter what kind of mother we had to give them love and respect. We had nothing to do with our birth. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> we received without giving. We were totally helpless. Some woman, your mother, brought you into this world. 
It was her labor. It was her pain for your life. And so we should at least love and honor and respect and value our mother. So secondly is to be grateful. You know, it depends what you focus on. There's an old hymn that says, count your problems, count them one by one. Do you remember that hymn? No, count your blessings. We're much better at counting problems. But the hymn says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It's easy to think about everything your mother wasn't or all the things that she didn't do. But what about actually saying, what did my mother do for you? How many meals did she cook you? Uh, Not only to love and to honor, but to be grateful for what your mother did for your life. Thirdly is forgiveness. No mother is perfect, and to forgive our mother, maybe if they've not even asked for forgiveness, by forgiving a parent, by forgiving a mom, we're able to reframe the story of our life. And even painful experiences can actually be redeemed. I love the story of Joseph. He was betrayed by family members, by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He went through a lot of pain because of how his family treated him. But you know what? Underneath everything that happens in our life is this hand of providence. And God has this amazing ability to take even the painful experiences of our life to bring about his purposes. And many, many years later, 13 years later, he saw those same brothers who hurt him, who wronged him. And he said to them, you meant it for evil. He didn't say it wasn't a big deal. Don't worry. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What's he doing? Through forgiveness, he's reframing the story of his life. Yes, that happened. I'm not denying it. But you know what? God has actually redeemed that. And I'm here today. And it's been shaped by those experiences. And so to love and to honor our mums, to be grateful to them, and and then to forgive them for maybe some of the experiences that have hurt hurt us. And and then to leave our mum for this purpose. Well, a man or or a woman leave his father and mother. You know, as we grow up and we become adults, it's very important that we leave and we become our own person. Um, I had an interesting uh, vision. don't have a lot of visions, but uh, I was actually late 20s, early 30s. I was in a worship service. Um, In fact, it might have been early 30s because my mother had passed away. And uh, it was a prayer meeting. And I actually had a vision of my mother and myself with an umbilical cord between us. But I was like 32. (laughs) And it was quite amazing. But but, but I actually, when I prayed about it, I felt the Lord say, you need to grow up. You know, how many know the umbilical cord is really, really important for a certain season with you and your mother? Come on, work with me. I'm not not a doctor, but I just know that there's... (laughs) An important connection there. But, but you cannot have the umbilical cord all your life. You got, there's a point of dependence. There's a point of reliance. But there's a point to cut that umbilical cord, to quit being a boy, and to grow up and be a man and take responsibility for your life. And so maybe for, for mother, there's a, a sense of leaving for you that is important, a, a cutting off, a, a breaking, and becoming independent. You know, as kids, there's, there's something called the grandstand effect. Um, imagine as a child, you're on the field and your grandstand is full of in, influential people in your life. There's mum, there's dad, there's uncles and aunts, and then there's teachers and pastors and all of these people. And, and what tends to happen in life as we grow up as kids is we do some things. If we do the right thing, everyone in the grandstand applauds us. <laughs> Hey, good boy, Johnny. Hey, good girl, Mary. Oh, if we do the wrong thing, they kind of frown on us or they boo. 
If we're not careful, we actually grow up and we live our life to perform for those in our grandstand. Many of us live lives of performance orientation where we do things to please the crowd because we like the applause and we don't like the booze. The challenge of growing up and becoming an adult is we have to empty our grandstand. We have to take everyone out of the grandstand, including mum. And yes, they need to be down on the field with us. They can be coaches and they can be mentors. But we need to clear the grandstand. And there should be only one person in the grandstand. It should be God. uh, It's, yeah. It's called living for the audience of one. Because the truth is, there'll be things God wants me to do that my parents may not applaud me for. I'm not here living today for my dad's approval, my mum's approval, any other person's approval. I'm here living for God's approval. And there'll be sometimes when I have to follow him where they may not applaud. Are you with me? That's part of actually growing up. And so maybe for your mum, it's loving, it's thanking, it's forgiving, it's, it's leaving in a real sense of, of you still respect, you still honor, but there has to be a leaving, a breaking off of that dependence to be who God has called you to be, and then hopefully to return as friends. Not, not, not dependent, but to return as, as friends. And so no matter what your mother was, there's a few thoughts on how we can respond to the mother God has given to each one of us. I'll talk to the mums just for a few minutes today as we take our journey on this mother's weekend. You know, kids don't come with instructions. I was there when Josiah arrived and there were no instructions. <laughs> and so, you know, you can become a parent in a moment, uh, a father or a mother in a moment, but the art of parenting, I reckon, takes a lifetime. And so I just want to talk to the mums just for a few moments about the art of mothering, not because I would know, but because uh, there's a bit of wisdom that we can glean here. And this is good for dads too. It's good for leaders. It's good for uh, anyone relating to people. Let me give you a couple of aspects of the art of mothering. Number one is to love unconditionally. To love unconditionally. Nothing like a mother's love. Uh, By love, we don't just mean an emotion or a feeling, but a choice to act in the best interest of your child. I'm thankful for a mom and a dad who who loved me no matter what. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, I was not always perfect. I was a bit of a mischievous child. I got into trouble. I uh, did some naughty things. And yet my parents loved me no matter what. There's nothing more powerful than the love of a mom or a dad that loves their kids despite their failures, despite their mistakes, despite the wrong choices that they make. Unconditional love has a huge impact on our children. And the truth is we all make mistakes. How many know even as you grow older, you still make mistakes? I'm 54 and I'm still making mistakes. Uh, in fact, I have a confession to you today. Uh, normally people confess to the pastor, but uh, I think it's good for the pastor to confess to the people. Um, about three years ago, I got a series of three tickets in about two or three months as a driver. Uh, there's, there's this road on the way to church called Kellett's Road, and it's 80 all the way through there. Well, they changed a section of it to 70, so I was going through there at 84 one day, and uh, I got a, a three-point ticket. And then uh, the following month, I ended up getting two red light tickets at Kellett's and Stud Road. There. So I was on nine points. That's three years, three years ago. So I've been driving very, very, very good <laughs> for the last three years, because as you know, if you get to 12, 
It's a problem. So anyway, uh, last December, I was preaching at Manningham, doing the work of the Lord. And uh, (laughs) on the way home, I got another red light ticket. And I ordered the photo, and there was my tow bar just over the line. And so I've hit 12 points. So I'm right now serving a three-month license suspension. (laughs) You know, to me, yellow means hurry up, you've still got time. (laughs) But obviously, the traffic gods have a different definition. So, you know, I know for some of you who are very angelic, you are shocked and you're thinking, what kind of a senior minister do we have? (laughs) Man, it's a good thing he's moving on. Um, (laughs) Others of you have more sympathy. In fact, as I confess, it's amazing how many people, I'm on nine too. Let me me tell you my story. It's, it's, It's all there, you know? If my mother was here, she would still love me. She would still love me. We need the unconditional love of a mother in our world. I'll let you know if I need a lift home tonight. (laughs) Terry's helping me tonight. Uh, Secondly, is to affirm frequently, mums, your words are powerful. Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of a tongue. Uh, A a leader, an authority figure's words have great power. You know, if if, if some mate at school says, you're a jerk, well, (laughs) big deal. But if your mother says you're a jerk, (laughs) those words carry a lot of power. Affirm frequently. Here's a good question, mums and dads. Is the best way to get mums and dads' attention to do something wrong? (laughs) For a lot of kids, it is. We need to catch our kids doing things right and to affirm them and love them. I'm thankful for a mum and a dad who encouraged me and uh, encourage our kids in their unique strengths. Not every kid's academic, not every kid's musical, not every kid's gifted the same way. Encourage them the way God has made them. Affirm frequently. Number three is to instruct clearly. Clear expectations, clear consequences. Imagine driving on the road with no rules, with no lines. It would be good for me. But uh, (laughs) we're thankful for the boundaries and the lines. And and to be in a home where one time you're disciplined and the next time it doesn't matter, uh, to instruct clearly and for kids to know what behavior we expect and then the why, the values behind it. And again, being an example is really important. If I say to my kids, don't yell! How many know your life has to match your words? Uh, Fourthly, discipline lovingly. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about discipline. How lovingly. We're not talking about abuse. We're not talking about harsh punishment. But kids need to have consequences. A couple of tips. Discipline appropriate to the age of the child. Discipline defiance, not childishness. You know, kids spill. They break. They forget. They wet. That's just part of being a kid. Don't discipline childishness, discipline defiance. Always follow through promptly. Not that if you do that one more time. Uh, Communicate the reason for the discipline. Always discipline in love, not in anger. Please don't favor one child over the other. Apologize when you fail, when you're too harsh or you got it wrong. how you discipline is really important. And number five, the art of mothering is to empower fully. As kids grow, we have to empower them to make their own decisions and to be responsible for their own lives. Again, this is based on their maturity. Don't send your two-year-old out with a lawnmower all by themselves. <laughs> it's a little bit early, but if you're still brushing your 18-year-old teenager's teeth, then you need to let go a little bit. <laughs> 
We've got to empower fully. Our kids are not really ours. Parents, listen. We don't own them or possess them. They are gifts loaned to us for a season. I talked to a a teacher recently and just talking about how some parents project on their kids what they want them to be. And uh, this teacher said, I got a little four-year-old boy in school and the parents dropped him off and said, uh, we want him to be a politician one day, so teach him public speaking. <laughs> the kid's four. <laughs> Could start with show and tell. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't even want to be a politician. Your kids are not a blank slate for you just to project the dreams and desires of your life on. They are pre-wired. They have bents. They have tendency. Our job as parents is to discover what God wants them to be. You think Mary wanted Jesus to die on a cross? That wasn't her plan for his life. And that was part of the letting go. He had, Mary had to let her son go. He had, she had to let, watch him die. As parents, we have to discover and direct and then release them to God. My wife, a few years ago in a Mother's Day message, said this, A mother's true devotion is exemplified by her ability to take her hands off her children at the right time and to allow the child she loves to fulfill their God-given destiny. It's pretty challenging to let go. If you don't know what that feels like, watch Finding Nemo. It's pretty hard to see your child swim away. I think Dory's lost now, actually. <laughs> Finding Dory's coming to a cinema near you. <laughs> and so, so, so we've got to empower. We've got to let them go. And here's a really helpful insight. We are responsible to our children, but not for our children. What am I saying? Romans... 14 verse 12 says every person will give account for themselves before God. Nicole and I are responsible to our children, to parent them, to love them, to teach them the ways of God. But they are responsible for their own lives as they grow and become adults. It's really releasing for you to realize you're responsible to do your best. But as they grow, they're responsible for their own decisions. And sometimes if we don't realize that, sometimes mums and dads can carry inappropriate guilt because a child grows up and decides something that you don't agree with. We think, well, maybe I did a bad job. How many, how many know if, uh, God created a pretty good environment for his first kids? Adam and Eve? Clear instructions, like it was all there. How did his first kids go? Look at the world. Not too well. Did that make God a bad parent? <laughs> no, 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 no. God did everything right. Perfect environment. They made choices they are responsible for. And so uh, mums don't carry inappropriate guilt because children have maybe decided a little different than you would have hoped. Trust that the seeds you've planted Trust that what you've poured into their life in due time, you'll see a harvest from those seeds that you've sown. Now, here we go. Let's put these five things up on the screen one more time. Uh, Art of mothering, to love unconditionally, to affirm frequently, to instruct clearly, to discipline lovingly, and to empower fully. Where do you think we learn these things? From God. Did you know God is the ideal parent? Think about it. God loves us unconditionally while we were still sinners. 
Christ died for us. God loves us. God affirms us. God instructs us. God disciplines us. God empowers us. And so we can learn so much about parenting, fathering, mothering from the nature of God. Let me talk to the mums in my final few minutes. Sometimes mums can find it difficult to see themselves as a reflection of the nature of God. But let me make a very simple statement. It's not a heresy. It's not a new doctrine. But let me say it loud and clear. God is not male. God is not male. How do we know? Because God created females, and if God was male, he wouldn't know how to do that because men know nothing about women. <laughs> Listen to me loud and clear. God is not male. Now, I'm not saying there aren't male references to God, like Heavenly Father and like King and like Warrior, but that doesn't mean God is male. God is spirit. God is spirit, and he transcends gender. And when he created us in his image, it took men and women to reflect the nature of God. So God has masculine and feminine qualities. Who invented mothers? God did. Who made them up? Who put into them the heart of a mother? God himself did. And so I want you mums here today to realize that you are created in the image of God. And the very act of being a mother is a reflection of part of the nature of God. Some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. <laughs> Where's that in the Bible? Thank you for asking. Just take Isaiah. Isaiah 66, 13, God talking. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Ever, ever, how many know when you skin, skin your knee, who do you run to? You run to mum. Ever seen a mother comfort their child? Where, where did she learn to do that? As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Uh, oh, that's one verse. Here's more. Isaiah 42, 14. Uh, for a long time, I've kept silent, God says. I've been quiet. I've held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I'm going to cry out. I'm going to gasp. I'm going to pant. <laughs> Ever been at the birth of a child? God's saying, that's what I'm going to do. I've been silent, but I'm going to cry out. Uh, let's go Isaiah 49, 14 to 16. Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget her baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she born? Though she may forget, mothers have been known to abandon their children. I will not forget you, says the Lord. I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Hosea, I'll give you a couple more. Hosea 13 verse 8 says, God's anger is like a mother bear robbed of its cubs. Ever seen a mother bear robbed of its cubs? You don't want to mess with that woman. <laughs> Hosea says, that's what God's like. Oh, that's Old Testament, some of you are saying. Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he wept. And he said, like a hen, not a rooster, Like a hen gathers its little chickens under its wings, so I wanted to gather you. Heart of a mother. Heart of a mother. Some of you are getting this. Even Paul uses feminine and mothering images for leaders. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7 to 8. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. 
Mums, you are made in the image of God. You reflect his nature. Mothering your children, do it with a sense of dignity and honor. You matter. And you know, when we honor mums this weekend, we're actually honoring the one who created mums, who put that DNA in their spirit. Mothers are created in the image of God. Uh, motherly traits are godly traits. In fact, you've heard this one before. Well, if you didn't have a very good natural father, God wants to be a good heavenly father to you. You heard that one before? We say it every Father's Day. Could I also say, if you didn't have a very good relationship with your mother, you can go to God for those same things that a mother imparts. How many know mothers see and mothers know? See, see, mums are omniscient and (laughs) all-knowing. A mother can look across a room at her child and just go, don't you do that. <laughs> she knows. She knows what you're thinking. Where did she get that? God knows and he sees. And you know what? Mothers care. And you know what? Your God cares. And mothers want to help. And guess what? Your God wants to help. So no matter what your earthly mother was like or wasn't like, you can run to God and find all that you need in the God that we love and serve. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this exciting episode talking about motherhood. Jesus and his mother, my mother, your mother, different styles of mothering, the art of mothering, and God as the source of the very heart of a mother. Now we get to the most important time in the message. What's that? Your response. My question is, where in this message was the Holy Spirit tapping on your shoulder? Where was God nudging you? Was was there one thing? Maybe it's about you and your mum. Maybe you need to thank her for the good things. Is there some forgiveness, some retelling of a story? Is there some honoring? Maybe you need to get that book and learn a bit more about the impact of your mother on your life. Maybe there's an umbilical cord that needs a bit of cutting. Maybe you've just been too dependent. Maybe it's time to grow up. Not to disrespect, not to dishonor, but to be your own person, to clear a little bit of the grandstand. Are you living for everyone else's approval rather than God's? Maybe that's your response today. Mothers, maybe there's a couple of aspects of the art of mothering the Holy Spirit nudged you about. Maybe it wasn't even anything I said. Maybe in the midst of it all, God spoke to you about something for your life. Simply respond and do what God talked you to do tonight. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this Mother's Day weekend. Thank you for the story of Jesus on the cross and just that small moment to show us that it wasn't just about redemption and Jesus and the salvation of the world. Yes, it was, but Jesus, you were demonstrating as a son your love for your mother. And I pray that we'd be inspired by that, that we would also love and care for our mothers. Thank you for Mary and her example as a a great disciple. She didn't understand what you're always up to, but she treasured in her heart and she remained faithful and she was an exemplary mother. Thank you for her today. For all of our mothers, we pray you would help us to honor them as we should, to love them, to thank them, to forgive them when necessary, and to leave appropriately and then to, to, to return as friends hopefully journeying together in life.
bless all the mums today. It's not easy being a mum. And uh, I just pray that you would encourage the mums and bring the support around them and help them to realize that as they mother, they are reflecting your very nature. For all of our families, bless all our families today. And finally, God, we thank you for being the, the best parent we could ever have. You have fathering qualities, you have mothering qualities, and as your children, we can run to you. I pray for those that are here today that may not know you in that way, that they will take some time to come forward for some prayer a little later or drop by the visitor's lounge and, and know you in that way. Lord, we pray for some profound things to happen in all of our lives. This Mother's Day, we'll give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 God bless you. Grace and peace. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.